that's the process. It's learning, building the muscle, because most of us have financial muscles that look like Pee Wee Herman, like they're just non-existent. And what we need is to go to the gym, the financial gym, and build up the Schwarzenegger side of our body. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my nine to five job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey, this is Brian. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you are doing well. We have an interesting topic to talk about today. And this topic applies to you, and it applies to me. And it is M-O-N-E-Y. That's right, we're going to be talking about money. But not just money, the freedom that money can bring us to live our lives the way that we want to live them. And the kinds of decisions that will either enable that freedom or make it very difficult. And to talk about that, we are going to bring in Damian Lupo as our guest today. Damian is the best-selling author of more than 11 books in personal finance and money thinking. He is the host of the Financial Underdogs podcast, the owner of 50 plus companies, and the founder of his own martial art, Yokido. And Damian's newest book, Unicornomics, lays out the essential pieces required to getting this right. And as I think we'll talk about, Damien has had an incredible journey in entrepreneurship. He bought his first rental house with a visa, a move that snowballed into owning 150 rental houses in seven states in less than five years. And then in 2008, he lost the entire $20 million he had made, but recreated his wealth and reinvented his life over four transformational years. And today he leads three multi-million dollar global companies with one unified mission, to free people from money bondage. So, if you want to get a better handle on your money and your future, this episode is for you. All right, Damien Lupo, welcome to Lead with Impact. I'm excited to talk with you today. I'm excited to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I think it will be. Can you share with our audience in a few sentences or so, exactly what you do to help people. I basically break free people from the from the lies that tr- and, and give them the truth around retirement money and retirement in general so that they're not stuck in Wall Street jail and that they have a, a fighting chance to be free and not fearful for the rest of their life as they go into their golden years. That sounds pretty valuable. So I'm really excited to hear about that. But before we get there, can you sort of take me to the beginning and give us a story about how this version of Damien Lupo that does that came to be. Well, first you have to be a total douche, which is what I was in the 2000s. And I was like, I mean, it it was funny because back in the 2000s, I built up this big real estate portfolio. I was in my 20s and I had this $20 million net worth that started from scratch as a college kick out. Like they literally kicked me out of college because I started a bookstore and I put the other one out of business. So I was like, well, I shouldn't be doing this path. And I ended up 
investing in real estate. And I, my entire focus was unfortunately what a lot of people are doing, which is more is better. And so it was just like more, more houses, more real estate, more money, more Ferraris. And, and so I did that for about a decade until I lost 20 million bucks and had to start over. And that's when things shifted to where I said, okay, what is the purpose? Like I, I could go take those lessons and do it again. Should I, or will I, why would I do that? And the why question became a pivot in my life where I was saying, okay, why do I want the money? Why do I, and I realized, wait, why am I actually doing what I'm doing, whatever I'm doing? And that was the big shift. And I said, okay, it's, it's gotta be about other people because I'll have all the money come to me if I'm willing to help enough other people, just like Zig Ziglar used to say. So what did that change look like? So first off, I stopped buying Ferraris and, and I said, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? And what I came up with is that I'm, I really love teaching and I have a way to teach people. And it's not because I read a book and I'm able to elegantly say something the same. It's because I've read the books and I've done the thing. So I teach people from the experience and I can talk about the emotional intelligence and, and seeing into the future for people because I've gone, I can go so far into the past, all the bloody, all the muddy that I've gone through. And, and so teaching people from that experience, it's called mentoring. Whereas a lot of times people, they maybe get a coach, they got a certification plan or program or whatever the previous weekend. And it's like, well, yeah, but what does that person actually, where's the scar tissue? And, and I think people, it's very valuable to have people around us that have scar tissue that have been in it, that are still in it. And, and that's what I realized people really needed that. And I wanted to do it. And then all of a sudden the money sort of started taking care of itself because I was focused on the right thing, not the hedonistic, I'm going to consume more and that's going to make me happy. That doesn't make you happy. It just makes, makes you bloated. So what did that journey look like to start helping people learn about retirement and retirement funds? And what is your core message to them to sort of help them get those affairs in order, so to speak? Well, I mean, it, it shifted into a place where I said, okay, what's the biggest problem? I saw this with my dad and it, when he, when he, his final years, I saw him be broke, played by the rules and he was broke. He played by the wall street rules, put your money into somebody's hands. And unfortunately he thought that that was enough. And when, when I, he ultimately passed away, leaving a lot on the table, didn't have the experiences, didn't go out there because he didn't have the resources. And so I said, okay, well there's, I can do something about this. Can't help my dad cause he's gone, but I can help a lot of other dads, a lot of other people. And I said, what, what are people stuck with? They're stuck with this fear around running out of money. And so if I give them a, not only a better tool that they can control and navigate where they're in the driver's seat versus being in the trunk of their vehicle, then that's one thing. And then helping them understand that Wall Street is not your friend. In general, Wall Street is feeding on us. And there's another way. It's called self-responsibility. Teaching people that if they want to be out of the shackles, they have to own their life. That's what I did. I shifted into ownership where I stopped blaming the economy or the politicians or my bad partners or the rain, like whatever it was. I literally said, it's, if it's going to be up, it, it's up to me. And, and so that shifts us to a place where we can do something. And when people come into my world, I, that's the first thing I'm asking. Are you a victim or are you self-responsible? And if I feel the self-responsibility, they get to work with me and I get to work with them. It's very cool. Working with the victim sucks. So I don't do it anymore. Now, don't you think that a lot of people, I don't want to use the term victim, but just feel unqualified to even think about the subjects that you're talking about. And they would just rather leave it to some nameless, faceless entity to take care of all of that because they're worried, A, that it's too complex and B, that they would just mess it up if they became involved. 
I totally agree with that. And it's a, it's a justification for being broken afraid. Mm. And, and the reality is there's something called, it's a four letter word called work. There isn't anybody that can't become financially free. There's not anybody that can't actually control their future if they're willing to do the work. I can take anybody at any second grade education, literally, and in five years be financially free. It doesn't happen in five minutes or five months. It's it'll it's allowing seasons to happen. It's being a good a good gardener, a good steward, a good fiduciary of your own wealth. And and people have to be willing to engage it. It it makes me mad when I hear people say, Well, I'm not a numbers person. I'm like, all right. Well, do you want to just be a victim? Because the, those words that you're talking about is really a justification to not do the work. I just look at people and I say, look, you're lazy if you're not willing to do the work because you can, you can learn things. You're not a monkey. And even if you were, you could probably do this because you're choosing not to. And most animals don't have that choice. They just base its reaction. Human beings have a frontal lobe. We have the ability to choose and design and look into the future and vision and actually take action on it. And yet most of us sit there and go, I'm not going to grow any higher than – I am. It's like, wait, in nature, what does that except for humans? We're the only thing that stops growing or stops doing before our potential is reached. It's it's kind of depressing when you think about it, but it's a choice. I had a conversation not long ago with a previous guest, and we talked a lot about unfollowing the script is sort of his phrase. And he uses it in a little bit of a different way than my mind is applying it to our conversation. Because it sounds like financially, and I know financially there's a script that a lot of us are expected to follow when it comes to IRAs and 401ks and mutual funds and all those things that I think you're sort of touching on. And so am I right that sort of unfollowing that script is part of this? It's a huge part of it. It's saying, what what might be the script? What might be the possibility? And then it's saying, okay, who do I need to learn from? Because we have all this intelligence inside of us, and one of the greatest intelligence is connecting with other people instead of saying, okay, well, if I saw it in black and white in the Wall Street Journal, then that is the plan, and that's the script. Whatever the marketing is is what I'm going to follow. So it's literally asking better questions, and the greatest thing is if you don't even know what questions to ask, there are tons of people that are around. The whole world is connected, and there are people that can ask questions and help you navigate. It's called borrowing their confidence and borrowing their certainty. That's the value of other people. If you try to do it on your own, worst thing, Brian, is when people are too smart. Like, unfortunately, a lot of doctors, especially a lot of male doctors, I've seen this. And I have a lot of doctor clients, but I've seen so many doctors that are they they know that they can save lives. And, and so they go into the financial space and they're like, yeah, I know it because I've got a really good advisor. My financial. I'm like, you're, you have somebody selling you mutual funds. That person's not advising you, and you're you're too arrogant to actually say, "What do I need to learn?" and and be a part of the conversation versus just thinking you know everything. So when people's egos drive them, they turn into me in in two, 2008. They go off a cliff because the ego is not going to serve you if you're letting it drive you into arrogance. Right. So when you work with people, Damien, are you helping them generate more income? now or are you helping them with investment advice in other words are you helping them create money or are you helping them figure out how to handle that money or some combination well really the first thing that i'm doing i did this this morning i was literally on a call with somebody and one of the core tools for for my business is giving people control of their retirement money so they can do things i didn't talk about that for an hour and 15 minutes we were talking about clarity why does somebody have the goals of doubling their money why? Because they've been told you need $2.7 million when you're 60 years old to be free. So we had to unwire some of that stuff and just get clear. Clarity is where the power is. If we're clear on 
what we're trying to get to, then we can say, okay, what is the right financial thing? What part do you need to control? How much cash flow is it? Is it capital gains? Like we ask different questions. Most people say, well, I've got this one nail and here I'm the hammer. So we're going to nail this thing in and that's it. And it's like, wait, what if we actually aren't building a house? What if we're, we're building a mud hut? There's no nail or hammer required. So people are using the wrong tools because they're not even asking the right questions. And so we start with those questions, like, where are you going? If, if I ask somebody, okay, in 10 years, tell me what your life looks like. They're like, I hadn't really thought about it. I just want to double my money in two years. I go, I get it. Why? What's that going to do for you? How does your life change? And they realize, wow, what I really want is I want my time. And how do you get your time? You have assets paying your life. And once that happens, you can do whatever you want. And that's the big shift, getting clear on why you're doing what you're doing and where you're going. Understood. I have a question which I have a feeling, I know you've already answered a little bit, but my guess is you might have another answer. What traditionally accepted advice in your field do you disagree with? That being free is a number, that it's a number on a balance sheet or it's a number in a brokerage account. There is no freedom. I have people that come to me. I remember one particular couple came to me and they said, look, we've got a couple million dollars and we want help. And I said, okay, I'm not sure what you want help with, but tell me more. And they said, well, we just, we don't like this roller coaster. We're on this roller coaster in the stock market. And I said, so what do you want? They said, well, we want to be able to travel and do what we want a life where it's not on the edge all the time. And I said, okay, so what you really want is to be able to have income coming in and you don't really care, do you, about having $2 million? They said, well, $2 million is not setting us free. And I said, you're right. But if we convert that into something that you understand that you could duplicate to where if the $2 million went away, you could do it again, that would set you free. And they're like, I hadn't really thought about that. I'm like, yeah, that's the process. It's learning, building the muscle, because most of us have financial muscles that look like Pee Wee Herman, like they're just non-existent. And what we need is to go to the gym, the financial gym, and build up the Schwarzenegger side of our body. When we do that financially, you, know, you take the money away, but we still have the muscle. And so we can go do it again relatively quickly. So that's, that's the, the misconception that the financial industry tends to push on people is, Give us your money for the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, and when you have your 2.7 million because you put in $5 a day instead of going to Starbucks, everything is good. No, it's not, because you have no financial intelligence. Susie Orman is full of crap when she says stuff like that. I'm like, that doesn't set you free. That just gives you more money. What is that gonna do? I'm gonna be free. No, you're not. You're just gonna have a pile of money that you're gonna be worried about, and you're gonna have no skills. It's the skills, it's the confidence because you've gone through it. That's what sets you free. It's fantastic. What is the foundation of 15% that gives an entrepreneur an 85% likelihood of success? So this comes from a, a guy that I've studied named Buckminster Fuller, who Einstein said was the smartest guy of the 20th century. So if Einstein said this guy was pretty smart, I would venture to say that he's smarter than all of us. Right. So I, I, I was studying his work and I, I had a hard time getting past page three of his critical path book, which tells you a lot about how smart this guy was, different plane of intelligence. And one of the things he talks about is foundational pieces. And I didn't really get this. It took me starting and running 50 plus companies to really understand at a different level what this means. What it means is if you get the first 15% right of anything, business, relationship, there's an 85% likelihood that that thing is going to work. Like in business, if you're, if the market actually likes your thing, if you get the foundational part, which is the first 15% of your efforts, if you get that right, you have, the, you have a mission, you've got your values, you've got the right team, you understand your minimum viable product. If you get that right, you are really, really on track. If you miss those things, you've got an 85 plus percent likelihood of crashing and burning, even if the market likes your thing. So 
a lot of tech startups don't have the foundational 15%. They have a really cool widget. And then they go, the market, it didn't work. No, it didn't work because you didn't have your foundation set up. And so I wrote Unicornomics. It's a mini book. And it's it's a half-hour read. And you're like, oh, what I, re- I wrote that book so that I would make sure and get all that stuff done on any venture I created. It was kind of to protect me from me because I get so excited and I want to go do something. This foundational stuff will give you a chance of success, whereas if you don't do it, likelihood is you're just going to get burned. So what makes up that 15%? Yeah, there's five pieces that are, that are baked in. Part of it is the blueprint. It's, it's the things that you're, it's your vision for where you're going. It's the metrics that you're measuring. It's, it's understanding your capital stack because a lot of times everything is there and you don't have the capital. You run out of capital and then you're dead because everybody leaves. I've had that happen where great idea. We just didn't capitalize enough. And what that means is we didn't have enough money. So we ran out and our thing didn't happen fast enough. And so everybody left. Well, that's what happens in business if you don't have the capital. So it's it's all those different pieces. And some of those, I just had to really deeply think, what was the problem in this business? Why didn't it work? And I was like, oh, because nobody knew which direction we were rowing. So we were kind of going in circles. Why did that not work? We weren't measuring the thing. Why didn't that work? There was no, I mean, we weren't, things were missing in each one of them. So there's, it's funny because in a, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. If you look at um, some of the, the books that are out there, like Peter Drucker's books, super smart people, but super hard to actually read and digest all of it because it's so much and so complex. The idea here is, and it's a very hard thing to do, to take complex things. Robert Kiyosaki is brilliant at this. Complexity turned into simplicity. Most of the system is about turning simple into complex. Wall Street, great at that. It's like, mm. look, you're too stupid. This is way more complex than you're ever going to be capable of, so give us your money. And I like to say, look, here's the complexity, boiling it down, you can understand it, now you can take action. Unicronomics is meant to say, here, piece by piece, play by play, just do these things one at a time. And and if you do those things, I mean, you'll see it in the book. Like it's, And if anybody wants the book, get, go to unicronomics.net and I'll send you a copy of the book. Like it's, it's really a gift to you so you don't have to go start 50 companies and then trip over yourself and blow off your knees in the process of making all the mistakes. And then I see you also have spoken about the green and red arrows of wealth. What's that all about? So if you if you ever watch the news, especially CNBC, but really kind of any of them, there's always, well, now everything's red. Like everything's a red alert. Like it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow. Red alert. It's again going to happen. Like, oh my gosh, because right. it's it's our, our the way our, our, the way our brain works. We've, we've got these things, uh, the reticular activator and the amygdala, and we, it's like our primal instincts are being run and they're being triggered. So when you look at these at, at the news, financial markets, when they go up, there's a green arrow because it's go, it's yay, everything's happy. And the red arrow is when things drop. So what people tend to do, like the, the folks that came to me and said, we have $2 million, I said, what was the problem? They said, it's a roller coaster. One day we see green arrows, we feel richer and everything is good, but we realize tomorrow we may see a red arrow. And so we're worried that it's gonna drop. And so our wealth, it, we're not free. We're literally stressed out and stranded behind bars that we don't control. And I said, okay, so getting out of the thing that's with those arrows is about taking control. When we shifted them from that stock market mess into a place where they had control of their money and they started buying things like real estate where they actually understood it and there wasn't an up arrow or a down arrow, all of a sudden everything calmed down and they could live their life versus watching the news, watching the market, looking at the app. That crap is stressful. Is that part of your core message, taking funds that are maybe accumulating but causing stress and turning them into assets which are more reliable and then in turn produce income? 
Yeah, and, and the big picture around that, the big the big message is we're shifting from a lack of control where you get to be a victim and you can blame somebody for whatever happens to a place of responsibility where you are in control of the money and you it doesn't really matter. Um, if you're investing in stocks, cool. Understand why you're investing in it, where you're investing. Understand the companies. If you just throw your money at something and say, I hope it works, you're just smoking hopium. Hmm. It's not a good strategy. Like, it's really not a good strategy. You'll be really high, but you'll be really stressed. So it's not going to calm you down. It's going to stress you out. And, and so I, it's fund, a fundamental shift into saying, it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to do the work to figure it out. And, and we're not trained to do that because the fees are way better for institutions if they can just convince you to give, you, to give them all your money and then walk away and, and you know, don't call them because they're golfing. Like that's, that's kind of the system. It's, it's kind of how it's set up. So if, once we realize that, we say, well, okay, what's a better plan? Better plan is for you to have a plan. Because right now you don't have a plan. You're just literally following along like a, like a sheep or a lemming, you know, off a cliff, like buffaloes in South Dakota. And you're, that's not going to end well. It's going to end with a big splat. So we've got to be smarter than that, and it starts with responsibility. Now, as we speak in the summer of 2020, the financial markets have been, shall we say, a little bit turbulent. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Does your advice change based on what's happening now in a time of really severe economic uncertainty? I think it's more important now than ever before. The advice doesn't change because there is no situation where somebody shouldn't become more self-responsible. Zero percent chance that that is the wrong advice. And that's hard. I mean, it's hard to say this advice applies to everybody always. It's like a universal truth. Because there's no downside. People ask me, what, what would change the, the, the world? How can we get away from rioters and protests and things that, you know, people are hurting people and wars? I'm like, you know what? If everybody's self-responsible, it changes the energy of the world. And when they're victims, they're blaming people. They're trying to take things. They turn into communists. Like, it's really bad. Communists are not self-responsible, by the way. So if you go self-responsible, you turn into a very free market where a lot of people are focused on freedom and liberty and, and natural rights. That's what I believe in. And at our core, I think most people would like to do it. The reason people don't do it is it's they, they want to inflict something on somebody else. But when you ask people, do you want to be less free? They go, no, I just don't want to, you know, I just want to have things from that person. And, and so I think fundamentally we're all on the same page. Sometimes we just lose our belief that we can actually have that happen. We think, oh, it's not possible for me. So the only way I can actually be happy or free, you know, to, to operate is by taking somebody else's thing. That's the big, that's the sad part, when people just stop believing that it's possible. That's what you should believe in anything. You shouldn't be hoping that it all works out. You should be believe in yourself and go take action based on being responsible and saying, it's me, it's up to me. And everything that happens, I get to control how I interact with it. It's no more blaming, no more justifying. That changes everything. And this is going to mirror what we talked about earlier a little bit, but I want to come back to it because I think it's so fundamental to this conversation. It's just been my experience. And I come from financial services. I don't know if we talked about that. I come from the financial services world before I left to become a consultant. I think that people always say there's two things that they've been taught never to talk about politics and religion, but money might be number three. And a lot of people just are not comfortable even having a conversation with someone about this. And maybe it's not even taking responsibility, but just sort of culturally this message that this is not for me to worry about. 
and maybe not even really what I should be talking to other people about. So how do you overcome that mindset? Well, the first thing is just understand if, if that's part of your thinking, and I think that's a very rational thing to say, you've been lied to. Uh, right now, in general, the financial markets, the reason that they're so weird is because they're so manipulated. Like there's nothing that makes sense because the Federal Reserve is pumping so much money in. I mean, the central banks are buying stocks and bonds from a free market. That's not, that's crazy. So they're doing that to save everybody. Well, how do you actually value something or how do you make a decision? And so that's why I say it's, you've got to be responsible. And if you don't understand what's happening, just throwing money and hoping it'll work out, it, it, it's not a good strategy because we don't have any fundamentals. Like when you look at companies that are – a great example is Hertz. Hertz is in bankruptcy, and the bankruptcy court just said, oh, sure, you can go issue a billion dollars worth of stock. And I was like, how can that be possible? Because the stockholders get wiped out in a bankruptcy. The bondholders are protected. Then you go deeper and you go, well, who are the bondholders? If they get a billion dollars in stock, then who gets protected with that money? The bondholders. Who are the bondholders? The central bank, the Federal Reserve of New York, is a ma major bondholder. So people that are investing on Robinhood are going to get wiped out so that they can protect the bondholders for a company that's in bankruptcy. When I talk about like corruption and scams, people are being ripped off because they're just following the herd. You got to be smarter than that. You got to say, okay, what's really going on? Ask better questions. I, it makes me a little bit mad, like a lot mad, to to see this stuff going on because even financial services professionals like you used to do that stuff. I think there's a lot of good people. I just think that most people don't understand what's actually happening. And so even like financial services folks or, or financial advisors, a lot of times they're just doing their thing. It's their job. And they don't get that a lot of the people are getting screwed over by this system. And it's that's what makes me mad. Right. Now, when you're working with someone, and maybe I, you can address this from a couple of different perspectives. If a young person came to you, maybe just out of school, getting ready to enter the workforce and start earning money for the first time. What would your advice be that, to that person? There's a great guy named Hayden Crabtree that I, um, friend of mine, and his, he did, he kind of, he is the avatar for what you're talking about. He was in school and he's like, I, you know, I'm going to go study something that I can create financial f freedom around. And so he started looking around and he, he saw somebody that was an investor and he called him and he said, hey, can I buy you coffee? And the guy said, uh, no, I'm going to my rental property, but you're more than welcome to join me and come and I'm happy to talk to you. So Hayden said, great. And he went over and he joined the guy. And then he said, okay, I'm going to figure out ways to serve service and help this person. He didn't ask, can I help you with something? Because that's you're putting a burden on somebody when you ask that. He just started helping. And after about a year, the guy's like, you are so valuable. You have to be a partner. And he goes, okay, well, he's 24 and he's financially independent, free for life. How did that happen? Because he showed up and started creating value. He didn't ask for permission. He didn't put the burden on somebody else. He didn't say, can you hire me and teach me everything you know? He just started creating value. What's the lesson there? Stop listening to people telling you, go get a job. And then you're going to get there. Like if you climb the ladder, go create value for people to where you become priceless and invaluable to them where they, they're like, you've got to be my partner. You've got to be a part of this thing. It doesn't require money. It requires you being willing to serve. And people go, well, I need to save up. I'm like, no, you don't. Stop with the stupidity. You don't need to save up. I started off with negative $6,000. I bought my first rental house with my credit card, cash advance. Not a good idea. I don't condone that. That's a stupid plan. But I was pretty stupid back then. I was naive and, you know, it worked. It's anybody can do this. Even if you have a job, you're like, I got bills, I got a rent or whatever. Great. So have a job and go serve somebody and become so valuable to them. They insist on making you a partner. 
This is where you're taking control. You're not a victim. You're not saying, well, I need them to pay me. I hear people say that, Brian, they go, well, my time is valuable. I'm not going to work for free. I'm like, well, you're a moron because you're missing the opportunity. You're leveraging all of their wisdom and they're going to give it to you because you're serving them. It's a natural reciprocity that happens, a circulation of energy. It is how I would operate if I was starting over again at any age, out of school, 40, 50 years old, just go start creating value. It's an amazing tool that most people are too selfish to actually do. How do you find that right person to create value for? I think if you just look around, you'll naturally attract yourself to somebody. Like it's, it, you know, if you just kind of look around your neighborhood, your backyard, your own city or town, there are people that are doing things. And if you just start creating value, it's very interesting when you start supporting somebody on Twitter or you just, you find things that they're doing. You've, I mean, I could brainstorm with somebody and go, okay, here's five things you could do for that person that you think you want to serve. And guess what? If you're wrong, that person turns out to be a, you know, a jerk or the wrong person. Cool. Pivot, go to somebody else. But it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that in terms of choosing, how do you find them? You, you pick. It's like investing in something. Great, go pick. If you're wrong, learn from it. Pick something else. People are like, well, I have to be right. No, you don't. That's what you were told as a kid. You were told if, you don't, if you're not right, if you're wrong 50% of the time, you're, you're, a, you're a dropout, you're, you're kicked out, you're a loser. Okay, if you miss 50% of your picks on your mentor or the person you're serving, okay, so it takes you two people to get there. Being wrong is a sign of growth, but you have to do something to actually be wrong. So we tend to be afraid of it because of judgment, and, and that's, a, that's a big problem most people face. I read something in your work where you talked about accelerating the failure rate, so or judging your success by your failure rate. So it seems like that's sort of the same sort of concept. It, it is, and it was, it was fascinating when I was having this conversation with Robert Kiyosaki last year. He, he made this point because I've, I've said, okay, um, cash is not, not freedom. You can have millions of dollars in cash. You're never going to be free. You can have cash flow, which is better, but it's not freedom because I can hand somebody cash flow from an apartment and the apartment. And do they know what to do with it? No. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess it up. And if, if, it, if, it, if it went away, they'd never be able to replace it. What's actually the, the freedom, the financial freedom is when you have the confidence, the other C, because you've done the, the thing, you've gone through the process of, of learning by the growth and people are, it's, it's not, it's not complicated, but you know, you, you do develop scar tissue. It does sting when, when things go wrong. And so people are like, Oh, we've got so many people that are afraid of pain now. And unfortunately a lot of parents are creating snowflakes out of their kids. And they're like, Oh, I don't want my kid to get hurt. You're setting your kid up to be a complete disaster by doing that, you want your kids to be hurt. You just don't want them to die. And people are like, oh, no, I don't. Yes, you do. That's how, that's how you grow. When you stretch, there's a metamorphosis that happens. Like, do you think the caterpillar feels really good when it's turning into, into a butterfly? That crap probably hurts, but it keeps going and it turns into something better, bigger, what it's supposed to be doing. And for us to say, well, we don't want to have the pain, you're missing the point. That's where the growth is. Right, right. A couple more questions. First of all, I talked about the perspective of a young person, but a lot of the people that I talk to are, say, mid-career, where they are still new enough and have enough time left in their career that they have a yearning for something else, but they're far enough into it that they're afraid to stop doing mm -hmm. what they're doing. And so how would you help someone like that? Well, when we used to have sports, which we don't currently have right now, there's there's something that happens. We see a team, and you can see they're up, and they start playing not to lose. They go defense, and what happens? They pretty much lose. 
And so that's what happens with that mindset. You, you play not to lose. Okay, I'm already far, far down the road, I, and I don't want to switch because I'm already in the middle of this thing. And you're not playing to win. And, and that's, that's the shift. You have to decide. Do you want to play defense where you're playing not to lose, where you're basically tiptoeing safely to death's door? Or do you want to really go for it? In your last moments, your last breath, your last days, are you going to say, I, I played all out, and that was spectacular? Or are you going to say what my dad did a few weeks before he died? God, there were so many things that I wanted to do. You tell me which one is which one's hell on earth and which one's a life well lived. I can tell you it's a really easy choice when you look at it from that perspective. I agree. And the other part that I would add to that is things become really dangerous in corporate America when you stop creating leverage for yourself. And I've seen that many times. Two people just get comfortable and I'm just going to ride this out and they stop creating that leverage. They stop, stop creating that freedom of, you know, those options for themselves. And at the same time, they're making themselves a less attractive option for the company that they are with because they are seen as someone who doesn't have the leverage to go do anything else. And that, that happened in, in 2008 and nine a lot. It's happening right now. 40 million people are unemployed in the recent numbers. Back in 2008 and 9, there were a lot of people that were making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. And all of a sudden, the market said, yeah, you weren't really worth four or five hundred thousand um, dollars And they're like, I can't even find something that's making me $100,000 now. And so you, a lot of those people got fat, dumb, and happy. They're just like, you know, sitting there watching football and eating Twinkies. And everything was good. Getting that paycheck. Well, the market's going to have another perspective. And if it hadn't happened yet, it's coming. So you've got to continue to create value. You've got to be thinking. You've got to be growing. The universe doesn't do stat static. It's either you're growing or you're dying. And so the question is, if you don't know if you're growing, you're dying. And if you're dying, you're not going to be very attractive to companies that have to be more competitive and more streamlined. You're going to end up being the fat they trim. So ask yourself, how am I growing? And if you don't know the answer, get help quickly. Yeah, I love that. If I had to ask you to create an impact statement, and you probably already have this, but by impact statement, I mean a one to three sentence phrase that describes the impact you want to have on people. What would that be? Uh, the impact I want to have on people is is encouraging them and, and giving them the, the uh, confidence in going out and making mistakes so that they build that muscle around the certainty that they have the ability to create freedom. It's, it's not about giving somebody a tool or a skill. It's literally helping them understand that they can create and, and the confidence lasts once you've done something because you rely on your own experience. So that's really the mission is to break people out of the jail and the shackles where they don't know or don't trust their own abilities. It's giving them the ability to take that first step and then the ability to say, oh, I can do this and I'm going to do it. And then they go do it. Yeah, I love that. Where can people find you online? best place to find me is Financial Underdogs. Financial Underdogs is my podcast. It's the place where I, I teach. Uh, the, the teaching tools are there. You can, you can find my books. And, and ultimately, that's where the best of me ends up going because I'm sharing the raw truth about my perspective on life based on my experiences. And so, I mean, if there's a place for Digital Damien, it's financialunderdogs.com. Great. We'll include that in the show notes as well as the other link to the book that you talked about earlier. And awesome. last, last question, what does the future hold for Damien? You know, that's, what, what a friend of mine a couple of years ago said, my, it was either his grandfather or grandmother, told him that he should retire as early as possible so he could spend the rest of his life figuring out what his purpose was. 
And, and so a lot of people say, oh, retirement, then I can go drink pina coladas on the beach. And I go, that's not why you're here. And, and so my, my vision is not to retire to stop doing something. It's to take money out of the equation for me and other people and to continue to teach. I mean, the, there's a, a basic human need about contribution. We all need to contribute to something. If we're just hedonists, like I was for about 10 years, then the universe eventually says, nah, you're just consuming resources with no real benefit to society. So the next, you know, the future is, holds a lot of lessons. I'm gonna learn a lot by helping a lot of people and trying a lot of things and just growing that confidence muscle based on the experiences. So you're gonna end up either, either loving me or trying to get me out of your inbox because I'm probably gonna show up because I'm on a mission to break a lot of shackles. That's phenomenal. Damien, thank you for being here. This has been an outstanding conversation. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. 